not perish, but have eternal life. And hello, everyone, and welcome to our program, The Truth Will Set You Free. I'm Vic Batista, along with my co-host, Nathan Jones, and we're transmitting live on our program today. So we're excited as we're going to be talking about dealing with idolatry. So we hope that you can stay tuned to today's program as we continue looking at this amazing book of Ezekiel. Oh, but before we continue, I'm going to ask my co-host, Nathan Jones, if you open us up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for everybody tuned in to study your word. Uh, Lord, help us uh, understand you through the word that you've given us. Reveal yourself to us, Lord. We want to grow and know you better. We thank you, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Again, you tuned into the Truth to Set You Free Bible Prophecy Edition. Vic Batista, Nathan Jones with Lamb Lion Ministries. We thank you for being part of today's program. And of course, before I continue, I'm going to welcome my co-host to the program, Nathan Jones. Nathan, it's great to have you on. Brother, good to be on as always. Hello, everybody. We're so glad you're tuned in to The Truth Will Set You Free. We're very, very excited, Nate, that we've been making our way through the book of Ezekiel, and we have been unraveling so many amazing things that the prophet Ezekiel is sharing that applies to us and to the people in his time. And maybe someone has missed some of these programs, Nathan. Would you be able to share with them our contact information and also how they can get a hold of these resources? Well, absolutely. Well, you've tuned in The Truth Will Set You Free. It's the podcast of Lamb and Lion Ministries. Vic and I are evangelists here at Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry, and our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. We believe the signs of the times point to the imminent return of Jesus, and we're excited about that. We want to share that with others and uh, help people who don't know Jesus to accept him and those who do to be excited about his soon return. You can check us out on our website at ChristInProphecy.org. That's named after our television show, Christ in Prophecy, which airs on almost all the major Christian networks uh, over the last 21 years. Uh, our director, Tim Moore, and myself are the hosts. And you can check us out again at ChristInProphecy.org. We have a wealth of information to help you grow in Jesus on our website, articles, videos, social media, newsletters, you name it. We want to help you grow in Jesus. So check us out, ChristInProphecy.org. Awesome. Nathan, thank you so much. And we hope that you guys take advantage of these amazing resources that will help you grow in your relationship with the Lord. And Nathan, also on the website, they can find that they can also find the calendar of some of the events that we're going to be speaking at different conferences around the nation. Right. Yes. Tell us a little about your uh, bivocational, uh, bivocational, excuse me, <laughs> your bilingual church service you're having uh, come up pretty soon. Thank you, Nathan. Yes, I was invited to a, a Baptist church in Ocala, and they wanted me to do a, a half-day bilingual prophecy conference regarding the end times and also how we can prepare uh, for the end times. And that's uh, that's coming up uh, uh, very quickly. And I'm excited for that, Nathan, because I get to share in Spanish and in English to both audiences regarding Bible prophecy and the soon return of the Lord. Hey, man, that's a giftedness that you can preach in, in two languages. I can only preach in one, but hopefully the Holy Spirit uh, translates for both of us right into the hearts of people. Absolutely. Well, listen, Nathan, you, you do a great job in your language. I can hardly speak my language, so I just allow the Holy Spirit to translate for me. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord, he does that. And if folks, if you're interested in a Bible prophecy conference coming up, our, our ministry's regional Bible prophecy conference will be held up in Three Springs, Pennsylvania, October 8th and 9th. It's called The Convergence, What is God Doing in World Politics? Uh, Tim and myself will be there, as well as Mondo Gonzalez from Prophecy Watchers, uh, Pastor 
uh, Steve Heaster, who's the host of the church, and uh, evangelist Al Gist will be there. We'll be covering how Bible prophecy uh, prophesies what's going on in the world today, uh, particularly with nations like Russia and China, the Middle East and Israel and America. Where do they fit in Bible prophecy? So you can check it out. Come to our, we'd love to have you there in Pennsylvania. Uh, but if you want to watch online, our Christ in Prophecy YouTube channel will have a live stream of it. And you can check us out uh, October 8th and 9th. If you want to be there in person, just go to our website at ChristinProphecy.org and register because uh, seating is limited. So please register. Oh, Nathan, this is so exciting to be able to do this and just share with people at different churches and conferences. And I'm so glad that individuals are open to the work that God is doing through Bible prophecy, which is Nathan is part of what you and I have been uh, doing as we have been making our way through the book of Ezekiel. There are some amazing prophecies there in the book of Ezekiel. Some things that you and I have been unraveling for people regarding angels, regarding seraphims, these angelic beings, and also the word of God being revealed. Uh, in his book. So we, you and I have been making our way through this book and just uh, amazing what God has been doing. And Nathan, I always love when you give a little bit of a background regarding Ezekiel, regarding the book, in case someone wasn't part of a previous program, so they can have an idea what's going on behind the scenes. Well, we're in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is about 600 BC. The people of Israel have been very idolatrous, falling after the Baals and the Moleks and the Ashtoreths for hundreds of years. God sent prophet after prophet, gave them chance after chance to repent, and they just refused to repent. And back in Deuteronomy, Moses had prophesied. He said, hey, if you continue to disobey God and turn your hearts and make it hard towards him, he will exile you out of the land. And that's exactly what's happened. Ezekiel was one of the first to be exiled out of by the Babylonians out of Judah. And so his prophecies are to the people remaining in Jerusalem. We're still waiting up to uh, 582 BC when Nebuchadnezzar finally took all the Jews that he wanted to take out, leaving the poorest behind and destroying the city. And so here, Ezekiel's prophesying in this section against the idolatry of Israel and Judah. They, again, following not after God, but following after idols. They even took the temple of the Lord and set up idols in the temple of God. So, uh, yes, it, it very much bothered God. Uh, the relationship was broken. And he says, the only thing to cure you all of idolatry is to exile you. And that's where we are in the story of Ezekiel. Thank you, Nathan. And Nathan, idolatry is something that we need to take very seriously. Uh, again, we've spoken about different forms of idolatry. But here today, we're going to notice a form of idolatry that I think affects all of us, if we are not careful, as we pick it up in chapter 14, there are verses 1 through 6. Nate, would you be able to read for us there Ezekiel 14, verses 1 through 6, in case someone doesn't have a Bible to follow along with us? Yes, yes, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. So uh, 14, verse 1 reads, Now some of the elders of Israel came to me, that being Ezekiel, and sat before me. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts and put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Should I let myself be inquired at, of at all by them? Therefore speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Every one of the house of Israel who sets up his idol in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity and then comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him who comes according to the multitude of his idols, that I may seize the house of Israel by the heart, because they are all estranged from me by their idols." Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, repent, turn away from your idols and turn your faces away from all your abominations. 
Mm. Nathan, what a call there for, I think, something that is applicable to really all of us. I know Ezekiel was speaking to the people in his time, but I just love that verse six. The admonition is to repent, turn from your idols. And Nathan, here the problem was, you know, the, these idols were not set out, if you will, physically. Here in this look, in, in, in these verses, it was talking about idols in the hearts. Hey, yes. Uh, you know, we kind of think of idols as little statues. Uh, back in Bible college, when I lived in Philadelphia, we traveled as a group, our missions group, up to New York City to do a world religions tour. And we got to visit all sorts of Sikh and Hindu and mosques and different things to see what it's like being into the, the religious buildings of other religions. And uh, it really struck me particularly how idolatry is still alive and well today, especially in the Hindu temple. There were thousands of little wooden statues that people were burning incense to. They had the bigger ones in the corners of the room, and they were giving them milk baths, bathing the wood in milk. And uh, I remember asking one of the parishioners there, if you can call him a parishioner, I said, do you believe that these little wooden statues are actually gods and goddesses? And he says, no, we believe they represent the gods and goddesses. We carry them in our heart. And it, I was like, oh my goodness, it's like reading Ezekiel from 2,600 years ago today. It still exists today. This, this belief of in, in worship of other gods, breaking the first and second commandments of loving the Lord your God only and having no idols, nobody before God. Uh, that's what God hates because he created mankind to, to have fellowship with him and to live in perfect harmony with him. And when we put an idol before God, then that breaks that fellowship and we don't exist for the reason that we're supposed to exist. And that is to have fellowship with our creator. Nathan, what a great point. And this is why idolatry is such a huge thing that we need to pay. We need to be paying close attention to, because, again, uh, here, idolatry starts in the heart. But then we see that it's, it's played out in real life. And this is why today one of the biggest idols that I'm finding, Nathan, is the idolizing of self. We have made ourselves one of the greatest idols and in, in the in our culture and in society we're constantly being pointed to love ourselves to focus on ourselves and that's another great form of idolatry that people are not understanding how we're being indoctrinated by movies and hollywood uh and everything else around us and and, and it is a war we really need to recognize uh how this sinful practice uh, is affecting all of us right nate oh absolutely our founder, Dr. David Reagan, uh, says this a lot in a number of his sermons, and it just struck my heart, is that uh, we live in a world today that has replaced the worship of God with uh, the worship of self, and that's called humanism, uh, making mankind an idol. And when we do that, then we move to materialism, which is to, to gratify oneself, and also hedonism, uh, physical pleasures, to gratify oneself. So we've replaced God with humanism, materialism, and hedonism. But the end result is never fulfillment. It's always nihilism, apathy, emptiness, depression, because you can't fill the God-sized hole in your heart, if I can use that old term, the God-shaped hole in your heart, with stuff. You can't fill it with enough idols. You can't do enough works, whether good or bad. You can't give yourself enough pleasure because it'll never fill that hole that only God can fill. And God knows that. And that's why it's it's wonderful to look here at Ezekiel 14, the grace that he's given, because here's the elders. And when he says the elders, 
of Israel. We're talking about the leadership of Israel. They're like our congressmen, our senators, our president. The elders were in charge, and the elders were supposed to be showing the people a right relationship with Yahweh God, and just like the priests were. And they weren't doing it. They were they, instead they had set up idols in their hearts, whatever those would be. I think you're like you're right. They they actually had physical idols, but they were worshiping themselves. And here God could have said, "Hey, you're all in exile. I'm going to destroy you." But He says, "Hey, you know that's about to happen, but this is your last chance." I will still talk to you, even though you have a lot of idols, if you come to me. And it's a challenge Ezekiel's given them. Will you come to me? And unfortunately, they would not. Mm. And Nathan, that's why I love verse six, where it talks about uh, repentance as well. No, and I think that that's the difference. They did not, but we have an opportunity today that if we find ourselves trapped in the sin of idolatry, the Bible simply says for the Christian to confess, to call on the Lord, right, Nathan? And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, according according to 1 John. And this is why we always offer hope. Maybe you realize, you recognize that you have uh, been trapped in some form of idolatry, whether it's self or something else. The Bible calls us to repent, to turn to the Lord, and uh, that's how we can escape, right, Nathan, the snare of idolatry. Yes, uh, well, we hear the word repentance a lot. Vic, maybe you could explain a little. Uh, people hear sin and repentance, and if they're not associated with Christianity, they may not know what those words mean. Maybe you can uh, give us a definition. Well, Nathan, uh, simply said repentance means turn around. In other words, if you're going in a certain direction uh, and you know, let's say it's ungodly, simply turn around, make a U-turn and continue and start to do what's right. Uh, so, for instance, someone recognizes that, you know, they, they have been uh, have a lifestyle that is contrary to the word of God. Uh, one example might just be uh, they're getting drunk. And they recognize the Bible speaks about uh, not getting drunk because that's a sin. They choose to repent. In other words, they choose to stop getting drunk, live in the lifestyle, and now turning back to what God has called them to do and live sober lives. And that can be applied to so many things when we talk about uh, repent. It simply means turn from your ways and turn to the ways of the Lord. So good question, Nathan. Mm, That's a great answer, Vic. I would also say, too, that there's people look at sin and think of it as something tangible. It's something you do or or some physical thing. But uh, Ezekiel nails it here. Of course, God speaking through Ezekiel is that it's actually a heart issue. What sin is, it's rebellion against God. It's God says, OK, you know, I'm I'm your creator. And these are the moral laws that, that will give us a right relationship and help you have a good life and and protect people and have a good society. But this rebellion in our hearts, this sin nature desires to not do what God says and go do the opposite and doesn't want God in their lives. They put themselves then up as the God of their lives and then chase after all these other man-made religions. And so it really sin is a heart issue. And that's why we can't change ourselves by doing better. I um, There was a TV show out recently that was pretty it was a comedy. It was pretty funny. It was called The Good Place. It was this uh, kind of a, <laughs> I guess you could say, a secular look at what the afterlife would be. And it has a bunch of funny characters who have died. And they're in a kind of purgatory. And they're living in this wonderful place. But you find out that it's actually purgatory where the demons have created it to always frustrate you. You know, as wonderful it is, the ice cream always melts. And the, the, you're, 
the people around you just aren't nice enough. You know, it's it's basically you can't be uh, enjoy the afterlife. So what the people decide to do is they're going to break out of the cycle. They team up with the demons and then the angels, and they're like, okay, we're going to make a better afterlife, an afterlife that isn't either heaven or hell, but where people can have enough time in eternity to learn to be good. The whole concept of the show is absolutely ridiculous because as long as we're in our fallen human natures, we will never be good by ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, to transform us and give us a new spirit. So we cannot create a paradise on earth. We cannot spend eternity trying to get better and better as these characters did in The Good Place. Uh, we need the Holy Spirit to come into us now and give us a radical transformation. That's the only way that we can get rid of the sin nature. Well, I love that, Nathan. I love that analogy that you use. I think it's fantastic. And that's why we want to encourage you. God loves you, has a wonderful plan for you. But we also have a part to play. You know, Nathan, what comes to mind, too, is here you have these uh, leaders in Israel, the spiritual leaders, the people that were supposed to be guiding the people uh, into truth. I mean, that's what uh, leaders are supposed to do. But instead, they remind me a lot of the, of these uh, um, Pharisees and the Sadducees and these leaders in uh, that Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 23, beginning on verse one, where Jesus said uh, to the crowds and to his disciples that these teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice uh, what they preach. They tie up heavy. Uh, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing uh, to lift a finger uh, to move them. And, and Nathan, we have leaders like that, right? That they're honestly telling people to do one thing, but then inside their hearts, they're totally away from the Lord. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you hear about the word religion and religion is man seeking after God, but relationship is God seeking after man. And that's what we've got is humanity has rejected God. They want their own God. So they create this false works-based salvation where they work their way into being good or good enough where they think then they can get into heaven or in that, a better afterlife. And this is exactly what the scribes and the Pharisees of the Jewish people did at Jesus' time all the way through Old Testament history. They were given the law by God, a law to live by, but then they created up to 613 other laws and had all sorts of prescriptions about what you could eat and what you could wear and how far you could walk. And, and the people were so burdened. They couldn't possibly be good enough to meet all these things. And that's what Jesus was coming in. He was saying, hey, you have taken my law and made it a wearisome burden, some stone on people like a ox yoke. The people can't carry it. They can't be good enough by themselves. They need a radical transformation. They need to be forgiven of their sins. And so that's what Jesus did. He died on the cross as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And when we put our faith and trust in him, our sins are forgiven and the guilt is gone and we can walk with the Lord forever. That, that weight of the law no longer exists on us. I mean, we still do the right thing, obviously, but the weight of the law is there no more because it was finished in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. I love that. Nathan, that is fantastic. And, and, and you know, Nathan, uh, we, we find this so interesting because we oftentimes hear as Ezekiel is talking about idolatry, he's, of course, uh, bringing an indictment upon the leaders. But we also notice the influence that we have 
to the world around us uh, when we are also affected or practicing things that are contrary to the word of God. And as we look back at Ezekiel chapter 14, Nathan, and noticing verse 7, I thought this was interesting, verse 7 through 11, because it says, for anyone of the house of Israel or the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who separate himself from me and sets up idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity, then comes to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me. I, the Lord, will answer him by myself. Verse 8, I will set my face against that man and make him a sign and a proverb and will cut him off from the midst of the people. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And if that prophet is induced to speak anything, and I, the Lord, have induced that prophet, and I will stretch out my hand against him and destroy him from my uh, people Israel. And they shall bear their iniquity. The punishment uh, of the prophet shall be the same as the punishment of the one who inquired that the house of Israel may no longer stray from me, nor be profane anyone with all their transgressions, but that they may be my people. I will I may be their God, says the Lord God. Wow, Nathan, and this is also a great punishment, a great indictment here for those that are teaching contrary to the, what God says. Absolutely. And this is an indictment. Uh, we read back in chapter 13, if you remember, uh, Ezekiel indicted the prophets and the prophetesses, all who were speaking the Lord's name, which the Lord hadn't given that message. Uh, we have people like that today. Yeah. <laughs> We're, we're on television, so we are televangelists, but you know, televangelists get a, a bad rap because there's been a number of them who have lived only to serve themselves and use Christianity as a basically tool to make money. Big names and, and big falls over the years have really tarnished the, the outreach of televangelists, but evangelism just over the television, you know, no big deal here. But what we've got here is, is we got people who are against God, these false prophets who are making money by talking in the, or speaking in the Lord's name when the Lord never gave them a message. And brother, as we've been reading through Ezekiel, that really infuriates God. I mean, it would infuriate us if, if we weren't saying something and people were going around saying, yeah, you know, Vic Batista said this, and oh, yeah, Vic Batista said that, and Vic's going to give you long life if you do this and do that. Okay, and uh, for my services, give me some money. You know, <laughs> and that's great. And that's what the people were doing because you know what? These false prophets, they didn't really believe there was a God. They, they didn't. Otherwise, they would have worried about the consequences, but they didn't. And so they never really believed in God to begin with. Nathan, that's a good point. And there's so many people that come uh, with this false uh, prophecies, or thus says the Lord, and the Lord never said anything. Nathan, it reminds me of what the Bible says in 2 uh, Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. And you and I have often spoke about this when it comes to prophecy. But, but Peter says we also have the prophetic message of, some, uh, of something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it, to the light shining in a dark place, unto the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in human, but the prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, right? Nate? So the word that really prophets, true prophets should be speaking, is not made up thing, but it should be the Holy Spirit put in their hearts. Absolutely. Uh 
uh, just this week on our, we have a private Facebook group. We have a Facebook page, Lambline Ministries. Uh, please like, subscribe, and share. And we also have a private group called Christ in Prophecy, which you can join. And uh, we talk about Bible prophecy. Well, this week, uh, our group has been really stirred up. All 17,000 plus of people who are subscribed, because we have a woman who's declared herself a prophetess. And she's been telling everybody about the dream she has of New York City being destroyed and a World War III and the Antichrist coming and all. And when you read the Bible, you learn that the gift of prophecy uh, existed during the time of the Bible because the Lord was giving new revelations. He was what's called foretelling or giving the future about what would happen. Matter of fact, one in 25 verses in the New Testament is prophecy about the second coming, setting up uh, Jesus' kingdom on this earth. So there's a lot of prophecy. But after the Lord finished the book of Revelation, he, he said, we cannot add to it anymore. So the gift of prophecy, at least in the Old and New Testament, was a double thing. You only did you foretell, but you foretold. And that's what Ezekiel's doing here. He's warning the people of the dire consequences of their sin, what the Lord would do. That part of the prophet, prophetic gift exists today where we foretell, we warn people what the Bible says so that people will repent and return to the Lord. This whole podcast today is foretelling, but we've got people today running around saying, I'm a prophet or a prophetess. I have got new revelation from God, and I'm giving that to you. That is not biblical. That is not what the Bible says. If you hear somebody come up to you and say, I've got a, I'm a prophet, I've got new revelation, new visions, well, it's not the Old or New Testament, and it's not the coming tribulation time period where that gift will return. We're in the church age, and the church gets its information from the Bible and from the Holy Spirit. So don't listen to these false prophets. And you can tell they're a false prophet because, again, uh, Moses gives us a test that says everything they say must come about 100%. And if it doesn't, they're a false prophet. And so we can test the spirits that way as well. I love that. Again, for those of you that just tuned in, you're tuned into the Truth of Century Bible Prophecy Edition. Vic Batista, Nathan Jones with Lamb Lion Ministries. Again, we're looking at Ezekiel chapter 14, dealing with idolatry. And we're also talking about false prophets and prophecies. And Nathan, the thing that people don't understand, too, is the severity uh, uh, what the Bible has to say will come upon those that are trying to mislead God's people because there in Ezekiel 14, as we look at verse 10, it says, and they shall bear their iniquity. The punishment of the prophet shall be the same as the punishment of the one who inquired. And, you know, God doesn't play when it comes to his word. Uh, I love Hebrews chapter 10, verses 30 through 31, Nathan. And, and it's a little bit scary because the Bible says, for we know him who said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I, that, makes me, that makes me shiver a little. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we take for granted the fact that this is the creator God of the universe who made suns and solar systems and stars and uh, the very air we breathe. When Jesus returns, he just speaks and his enemies melt before him. I mean, this is a powerful, powerful God. Why anyone wants to get on his bad side is beyond me. But I think they take advantage of his loving side, which is gracious and forgiving and gives you many, many second chances. The Lord is good. But, uh, you know, if we go around putting idols before us or if we go and speak in the, the name of the Lord without uh, getting it from the Bible and people, please test what Vic and I say here and 
go to the Bible for your word, not from us, because we don't ever want to misrepresent God, because I don't want to fall into the hands of the living God. Don't don't you? <laughs> Nathan, and that's true. I, and I think, you know, Nathan, as we get ready to close, Second uh, Chronicles 7.14, I think is something that is applicable to all of us and even as a nation. Uh, uh, and I know that it's, it's a passage that we oftentimes quote, but I think it's applicable because we can fall into so many deceptive things, uh, uh, into many traps. Will you be able, Nathan, to pull up there Second Chronicles 7.14 for us in case someone doesn't have a Bible? Oh, sure. Well, this is a very famous verse. Most people quote it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. And, you know, we want to close by giving you an invitation to turn to the Lord. God wants to heal the land, but he also wants to heal you. And he calls us into repentance as we seek his face. And today you can put your trust in Christ from wherever you are. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Bible says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Nathan and I spoke about repentance today and the importance of people turning from their sins and turning back to God, recognizing where they have fallen short. And you can do that by calling on the name of the Lord, wherever you are, just say, Lord, forgive me. I have sinned. I have um, uh, had idolatry in my heart. But God, I want to replace that with a relationship with you. I want to invite you, Jesus, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and to be my Savior and to be my friend. From this day forth, I want to follow you, Jesus. And Nathan, anybody that does that simple prayer or pray that prayer, they have a relationship with the Lord, right? They're a new creature. The old is gone. The new has come. Praise the Lord. Well, Nathan, I thank you so much for helping us uh, with this amazing passage and giving us this great background. And it's always a joy to be doing this program with you in Ezekiel. God bless you all. Good. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs>